Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Jay Gilbert. Mike is out this week, but he will be back soon. We've got a really great show for you today. We have Mike Warner from uh, Chartmetric. He's got a great new book out we're going to talk about. But before we get going, I want to thank our sponsors really quickly. Uh, we want to thank Bandzoogle, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform, makes it easy to build a beautiful website, EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, like a host, hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to help you sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integration, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, MUSICBIZWEEKLY, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. We also want to thank Disc Makers. We know it's a digital world out there, but it's still an important role for physical media in today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts, at shows has become an important income generation uh, generator and even online, right? So for every CD you sell at a gig, you need roughly 3000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams. So our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. We have a special offer for Music Biz Weekly listeners. Um, you'll get free shipping on CD orders of 100 more uh, from Disc Maker, just use the promo code FREEBIZ, and that's up to a $150 value, promo code FREEBIZ with Disc Makers. So today we have Mike Warner. He's a director of artist relations from Chartmetric. He does a lot of other things. He's in a band, he's a consultant, and he's got a really great book out that you need to get. Let it roll. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we're joined by our friend Mike Warner, Director of Artist Relations at Chartmetric. He's a consultant and many other things, but also the author of Work Hard, Playlist Hard, the second edition, just came out. Um, this is the book, If for those of you who are not listening, who are just watching or whatever um anyway yeah there it is uh mike thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy day to uh talk with us i remember when you had the first version out and we talked this is much different than the first version in fact i don't even know if why it should have the same title because it's really a completely different book talk a little bit about the differences between first edition and second edition because they're big Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I unintentionally with the first book, I kind of got labeled as the playlist guy. And at that time that was cool because playlist was a strong buzzword. It still is, but still is. I mean, once people have done the work that they can do relating to playlists, a lot of them are saying, where does, where do I go next? What do I do from now? Yeah. And so what I found was that I started almost speaking on behalf of some of the DSPs unofficially <laughs> about all of the tools that they right. provide Yeah. to the point where 
once again, like I, with the first book, I was sending these detailed emails out to friends. I was sending them long-winded voice messages explaining, here's why you need to pay attention to Angami. Here's what you get once you sign up with Angami for artists. And it just really escalated from there. And it's, it's you're right, with the title, <laughs> I almost changed it. But yeah. I had a few people close to me say no. Uh, yes, some people know your name and know what you talk about, but other people only know work hard, playlist hard. So yeah. stick with the name for the next book so that people can still find it easily. Yeah, I'm glad I did. I mean, yeah, I, there's certainly there's some familiarity there, right? Um, people are familiar with it. Plus, as we see every day, it's still the big thing. People say, you know, how can I get on this playlist? And you go into that and we can talk about that. But what we always tell people, as you know, a playlist is not a marketing plan. So that may draw them into the book to talk about. There we go. <laughs> that may drive them into it, right? But there's so much more uh, that you have to consider. And <clears throat> that's what I love about this book um, is that it goes into all of those other things that you have to consider and things I want to, I want you to talk a little bit about optimization versus kind of gaming the system. And what I love about the book is if I was to describe this to someone, I would say it's really a manual on how to optimize across different platforms. <clears throat> there's no tricks. There's no, you know, you're not buying spins or follows or likes. It's none of that crap. This is about doing the hard work and optimizing. Um, talk a little bit about how you put this thing together, you know, the goals in mind, and is it more about optimization as opposed to tricks? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, some people still feel like it's a trick or they've got some secret source from this book. I mean, all the information I'm sharing is very safe and it's not going to get anyone in trouble, most importantly, but the, the main goal for me was just educating artists and their teams on thinking outside of the DSPs they already pay attention to. So if you listen to Spotify all day, every day, that's cool. That's your choice. But there's people in other parts of the world that may like to listen to your music somewhere else. So part of the, part of the journey has been finding out about these DSPs, explaining why artists should pay attention to them and then sharing the tools that they can use. And of course, the first part of that is claiming your artist profile, having a presence on there, because then all of a sudden it puts you higher up in the list compared to another artist next to you that may have music of similar quality that hasn't done those steps. Yeah, You're basically creating a home on there and saying, I've touched this DSP, I'm paying attention to this. This is a home where people can find me, whether they're new fans or old or returning fans. And, you know, it's really important. To, everyone thinks that there's a lot of work involved. And I, I kind of want to squash that and just say, look, <coughs> click here, go here, do this. You've already got an image of yourself. Use the same image on every DSP. There's no reason to cre create multiple images and different variations for each DSP. Yeah. And <coughs> you've got a bio. Um, You've probably got a few tracks already and on most of them you can create an artist playlist and you've just given yourself so many extra shots at getting noticed as a result. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really smart. You just mentioned Angami and 
a lot of people don't even know. It's not even on their radar. I was reading something earlier today. They struck a deal with Amazon. So they're going to be doing some collaborations in United Arab Emirates and in Saudi Arabia. For those who have never even heard of Angami, talk a little bit about that, because it's it's almost like Deezer in some sense that it's not on you know, everybody thinks of Spotify, Apple Music, and maybe Amazon Music and some of these, but all of these other DSPs, there's a lot of listeners there, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like I said, everyone's going to choose their own DSP, but the reason why these may have more listeners, more subscribers is because they were around in these countries, in these locations before Spotify or Apple or Amazon. So you look at Deezer, you know, based out of France, still far more subscribers there than Spotify, even though Spotify is there now. You look at GeoSavan in India. Once again, they're larger than Spotify in India. And it's the same with Angami in the Middle East. So the reason I first found out about it was speaking with a friend in Dubai. And I, I noticed that every time they were sharing that they got a playlist out or they had a new song out, they would do a separate post for each platform, of course, golden rule. And they would be posting about Angami. And I asked them, I said, you know, I should I be paying attention to this? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> and they go, well, it's massive here. Uh, it's bigger than Spotify. Or at this time, the first time I heard about it, Spotify wasn't even rolled out there yet. Yeah. And what I found was that when I first Googled it, I got really disheartened because it looked like none of the music that I was involved with was available on there. But I realized it all comes down to licensing. So in fact, when a friend that's based in Dubai logged into Angami and took a look, they saw my entire, my entire catalog and they were sending me screenshots and giving nice. me all the links so that I could do social posts. And here in the US, I'll obviously take a look and it says no results or not available in your territory. So uh, that obviously disheartened me and put me off sure. you know, briefly. Yeah. But I realized that this is happening with artists around the world. They're looking and going, oh, it doesn't look like my music's on that platform. Why should I pay attention to it? Exactly. When in reality, it is available, just not where you are located right. in the world right now. That's so, a great um, point. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, incognito mode in Google Chrome, you type in artist name, song title, the streaming platform. You, at the very least, you should be able to grab a link to that song or that album or that artist. So you do have something that you can share. Yeah. And it's great the same advice. with all the tools that they provide, which I'm sure yeah. we're going to get into as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Look, I, I think that that's super fascinating. You know, I, I've gone through this book. Um, you had a chat with my uh, intern the other day. And it's so funny, uh, Caroline and I were actually considering at one point creating a book like this. And we had even written some chapters and put some things together. And it was so different than your first edition that when you sent me kind of an early version of this, I called up Caroline and I said, no, we're... We're good here. You know, we're going to we're going to follow Mike's lead here because, you know, I I believe that these kind of uh, um, resources are so valuable because today an artist, it isn't about just recording, touring, 
you know, signing with a label, you've got to go to where the party is. And what I love about this is you cover all sorts of different platforms, things that maybe people aren't even looking at, like bands in town, which I think is crucial for people to understand how bands in town work. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about YouTube because for me, uh, YouTube is not just a place to park your videos. It's a great tool, a great partner. And there's so much you can do with YouTube. Talk a little bit about your experience with YouTube and what you tell clients and people about how you uh, work with YouTube. Yeah. I mean, YouTube has always been one of the first places that I go to find hard to find music and you know whether it was uploaded officially by the artist or not hopefully those royalties will find their way back to that artist but it's always been my go-to because it's publicly available you can share the link people can click it they can listen there's no uh walls up as far as a subscription or things like that for them to be able to see yeah. it yeah and youtube music you know has really grown over the last year to the point where maybe not so much here in the US, but I've had a number of people in other countries telling me that that's where they spend most of their time now because they grew up on YouTube and it just made sense that they were accessing music there. Why not get the YouTube music subscription and tack that on as well? So with these two different sides to YouTube, what I found is that artists are only paying attention to one of the two. So YouTube itself, of course, is ideally for video content it's yeah. the intention is that people will be watching this for the most part whereas youtube music is obviously the audio side and there will be the visual offering with the music videos as well yeah. so on youtube artists can claim their official artist channel they get the official mark on there and mm. It, some artists have had multiple channels created. So their distributor creates a channel on YouTube called Artist Name Topic. And all of the music have, will be uploaded there. So if you're CD Baby, the track will be there and it will say distributed to YouTube by CD Baby. And so you'll be out, which is another tip for anyone that wants to see which distributor an artist is using. Search on YouTube, Artist Name Topic. Look at look in the video description and you'll see exactly which distributor they used for that song. Yeah. And then what you'll do from there is my wife's dancing around like crazy outside the window trying to distract me. <laughs> I can see her and I can see her reflection behind you. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna tell her busted. She, she she made the video. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Um and yeah, with the official artist channel. From there, once you've got that, you can get access into, some people would be familiar with YouTube Studio, studio.youtube.com, oh. where you get all the backend analytics for your YouTube videos. Once you've claimed an official artist channel, that opens up, and now you're getting this crazy data relating to your music across YouTube and YouTube music as well. Yeah. So it's definitely worth checking that out. And then you'll get things that you don't necessarily get with the other DSPs, like how long were people listening for before they dropped off? Yeah. Where exactly were they from? Did they skip this far into the song and things like that? So the other good thing is once you claim your profile on YouTube, it will also copy all of that across to YouTube music. So even if you've never touched YouTube music before, you're going to find that if you've gone into studio.youtube.com, uploaded your artwork, added your bio, 
put some playlists up that will copy over and be reflected yeah. within YouTube music mm. as well. Yeah. You, you are such a data freak. I think that's one of the reasons <laughs> why we, we love having conversations on and off the air is I, I love the, the platform chart metric. You work for chart metric. There's so much great information you can glean from chart metric about what's going on with your music. But there's also some areas like you just touched on YouTube, such valuable data. Talk about some of the different DSPs and what you can and can't do, because I love Spotify that you can, you know, put your bio and your social links and images and artist pick and all that great stuff. You can't really do that on every DSP, you know, certain DSPs, you can only change maybe an image and some of them have analytics that you can grab and some of them don't talk a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses of some of those platforms. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going to safely assume that most people are familiar with Spotify and Apple music and Amazon music for artists. Um, for the most part, they have very similar offerings on the data side as far as where your listeners are, how many streams you're getting, how many listeners and streams you're getting from playlist ads. Uh, outside of that, they do have a number of unique tools that they tend to provide on separate websites. So Spotify have a whole bunch of tools that don't appear in Spotify for artists and they have their own separate websites. So they have promo cards um, and then they have, oh, what was the other one? Apple Music have their own marketing tools where they have milestones now as well. And they have Twitter embed cards. So I, I guess I should explain a little on what those are. <laughs> so the milestone cards on Apple Music are basically they've created a social media graphic for you to share to celebrate a milestone on Apple Music or Shazam. So it could be this song got 1,000 Shazams or this song got 100 Shazams in this city on this day. Mm -hmm. This song was added to this playlist. This artist got 1 million streams on Apple Music. Things that you would like to post and share about and yeah. celebrate on social media, they've just gone ahead and created that for you. Yeah. The, uh, the Twitter cards are really cool because what they do is they allow you to share a Apple Music link in the Twitter feed so that when people are scrolling, they can tap play and listen to a 30 second preview of your song right there in the feed without leaving Twitter. And then if they tap the button, it will take them directly into Apple Music. Yeah. What's really neat about that is if you're in the affiliate game and you're an Apple affiliate, you can mm -hmm. add the affiliate code. So you're directing people to your music, but if they also go and subscribe to Apple Music, you get a little cut out of that, which yeah may pay a little more than that stream you get. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more, a lot more. Talk a little bit about chart metric, just for those that don't know. I mean, you would think we're so close to it. You know, we, we just assume sometimes that everybody knows about it. But I tell people all the time, you know, about chart metric, just because it's one of those tools where you can quickly and easily see so many different aspects of what's going on, not just with your music, but with like competitive artists to see if maybe you're overperforming or underperforming in certain areas. And it's one of those like go-to tools. Talk a, a little bit about your role at Chartmetric and the platform. 
Yeah. So Chartmetric is gathering data from multiple sources and presenting it in a way that's easy to digest and things like reports and things like that. So the end goal right now is to really save people time and to also help them to find the things that are most relevant to them. So yeah. if it's an artist, you would log into Chartmetric and at the very top of your page, you're going to see the most important things to you. It could be a significant playlist ad. It could be a significant change in followers on Instagram. It could be your viewers on Twitch went up like crazy. Uh, we also highlight recent news as well as these milestones. So we're actually monitoring yeah. multiple blogs and news sources from around the world. Nice. So for an artist, you know, we know that your time is important. Yeah. And then of course, Adding on to that, you have someone that works with multiple artists. You have yeah. an A&R, you have someone from a label, you have manager, publisher, whatever. music supervisor, yeah. the list goes on. Uh, so for us, it was really important because when Chartmetric first launched, it was just that. It was chart positions over the years. It was iTunes charts, Spotify charts, and, and some playlists. And it's really grown so much beyond that to the point where people are spending all day on there geeking out and that's mm -hmm. cool if you love that, but for other people, it can be a little overwhelming. So that's yeah. why we had to go in there and find a way to still keep all of this data, yeah. but to not make it too intimidating and right. to right. help people to get exactly what they need in less time. So what we found is that the reporting feature has been extremely popular because people come in, they follow the artists that they're working with, or if they're working on specific tracks and then they come in and they pull their reports and yeah, they take the rest of the day off. <laughs> I love that weekly report. You know, I think it's what three day, uh, five day, 28 day, whatever, but it shows the trend and I can across, you know, 10, 20 artists, I can kind of get a sense, you know, blue is good, red is bad, you know, and there's certain things that happen within a release cycle that are okay. There's a normal decay curve. There are normal things that you look for. And I think by looking at chart metric data, you really start to get a feel for how a release cycle goes. You know, I love looking at playlists, not just to necessarily see what's added to and taken off of, but to see, well, what position am I in? right? What other songs are on this, on this playlist? You know, are, is it a DSP curated playlist? Is it a user curated playlist? There's so much you can, you can get from that. What's your kind of day-to-day -day routine? I mean, are you working primarily with labels that are saying, Hey, I don't understand this. What's going on? Are you solving problems? What's, what's your role like? Yeah, sure. And, you know, just to add on to what you said there as well, another thing that is really unique that I've found with Chartmetric more so recently in the last year is that when people have a release coming out, I always say the bulk of the work happens pre-release. Yeah. We're having people come to us as well where they go, we've got an artist coming out. Their first release is in four weeks from now. They're already big on TikTok. Here's their Spotify URI. We got it from the distributor in advance plug that in. Okay. Let's add the socials and they're monitoring the growth yes. of the audience and everything in the lead up to that release. Yeah. You did that for me for an artist and it's exactly. genius. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing. All we need is 
at the very least, if it's Spotify, grab that Spotify URI or URL, paste yeah. it in the search bar. If we don't have it, it adds it within 10 seconds and it shows up right there. Um, but as far as my day-to-day, so my official long title is <laughs> Director of Artist Label and DSP Relations. Basically, I talk to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that works well for me because I want to be friends with, with everyone. I want to learn from everyone and I want to be able to help them. So to be able to gather, you know, intelligence, if you will, from yeah. people at the labels and artists and the DSPs, obviously with respect to anything that I shouldn't be sharing to anyone, I'm able to help everyone and keep everyone moving along at the same time. So, you know, it it could be as simple as sitting on the live chat through to hosting a private Zoom call with 40 people at a major label or hosting a, a call with the marketing team at one of the DSPs, or it could just be an artist that's got their first release coming out and they just want to make sure that they're monitoring everything correctly from day one. And yeah. they, they know exactly what they're looking for and they just need a little help to get started. It's, yeah. you know, I, I love all of that. I love to be able to talk to everyone and, you yeah, know, it's, it's a unique it's, perspective, Mike, because yeah. not every role, you know, some roles you speak with labels, some with distributors, some with DSPs, some with artists, you're kind of cross pollinating with all that stuff. And it reminds me of this old line that was attributed to Danny Goldberg when he was an artist manager. He said, you know, what do these labels do all day? And then, you know, when he was working at a label, he's like, well, what do these managers do all day? And I think what that illustrates is that in your role, you can kind of get a sense what their needs are because everybody's needs are different. And even on the music side, you know, like some of our jazz artists, they're not really looking at the sales streams and downloads primarily. They're looking for accolades. They're looking for tour dates and things like that. But then there are some folks that they really care still about, you know, well, what are my physical sales? Because that's important for some genres still. It's a big part of what they do. And I think with, with Chartmetric, you can really kind of get a sense of how your release cycle's going, how your career's going, how you stack up. Um, I just think it's a really great resource. But kind of getting back to, to the book, this thing's a beast. And I mean, you just looking at the table of contents is, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. How long did it take you to put this together? And did you do this all by yourself? God, no. I <laughs> So the first book came out in September 2019, and this one came out in August 2021. So it's been about two years between books. Right. And before the first paperback came out, it was a PDF, and I drove myself crazy updating that all the time oh, as well. Oh, I bet. I bet. Um, but no, this edition, anytime I came across something new, anytime I sent a detailed email to someone that helped them or things like that, I would start adding it to the book. And that's the only thing that saved my sanity with this because I don't have the attention span that I could switch off completely and force myself to write for two weeks. It would have been a very different book. So that's kind of why it does feel like every chapter is almost a separate thing. And the other reason for that is some people will skip back to exactly what they need. You know, they may just go, oh, 
what was the thing that what was the thing you wrote about Spotify editorial playlist pitching? What were the tips in there? Mm-hmm. You can go straight to that chapter. You don't have to scroll through the book and try and find it again after. And yeah, I yes, it took two years, but it's not mm-hmm. like yeah. two years full time. It's yeah. like I could go weeks without looking at it, and then I'd look back and I'd start adding multiple pages again. Yeah. How's the feedback been? I know you've had some really good chart positions. I've seen some good comments online. Has anybody said, yeah, Mike, this is great, but you need to cover this. You know? <laughs> how's, the, how's the feedback been? The feedback has been great. And anytime there's been feedback where someone wasn't necessarily happy, I've been able to reach out to them because I run the customer service myself. So one of the things that came up was somebody purchased the book and they looked inside and they said, look, I I love the content. The book's great, but is there any reason why everything inside the book is black and white and the screenshots aren't in color? And, you know, I got to ask them and I got to say, well, you know, I obviously without sharing the entire long-winded email, but basically I said, explained the costs and the fact that the book for me to make a dollar royalty would have to be priced at over $40 US, which I did not want to do. I want it to be affordable as yeah. much as it can be. Uh, but the other thing that I asked them was, you know, I'm curious, is there anything that you saw that led you to believe that the inside images would be in color? And they said, yeah, actually there was. I'm glad you asked. The preview on Amazon, because on Amazon, they show a preview of the Kindle version, which of course is color if you have the ah. Kindle app on a Kindle that shows color or an Apple device with the Kindle app. And in that preview, it shows the color screenshots. But then if you click paperback, it switches to black and white. So <laughs> I realized, you know, instead of just saying, hey, you know, it's it's mostly text, uh, you know, what's, you know, yeah. I was able to work that out and quickly fix that up. And not only that, but for this person, I, I also just said, look, you know what, let me give you a link to the full color digital copy as well. And oh, thanks so much for the go. feedback. And they ended up going out of their way and leaving a fantastic review, which I did not ask for. And oh, that's great. That's you, know, good that's, you can't have the experiences like that if you outsource that customer support. Yeah, yeah, No one exactly. else would care about it as much as I do. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't um, expect them to. Tell me a little bit about going from the first edition to the second edition. I would imagine there were a few things that you learned along the way. You know, as you're digging into this, you're like, wow, I didn't, uh, you know, it was probably a pretty cool education for you because, you know, this stuff is evolving. It's so dynamic. It's changed while we've been on this conversation. So were there any surprises or any things that jump out at you that you recall that maybe you learned that maybe surprised you? Um. I think it's probably looking at the DSPs and how quickly they're rolling out artist-facing tools now. I mean, just what's mind-blowing to me is Amazon Music for Artists only launched one year ago. Yeah. And you think about everything that they've put out since then, the artist merch store integration, the Twitch integrations, um, the data that they're presenting to you as far as voice requests on Alexa-enabled devices. Sorry to anyone that has one of those. Um, you know, and then Apple Music for artists. I mean, 
go on LinkedIn and have a look at how many people they're recruiting right now on the artists team. And it's obvious they're building some really cool tools. And yeah. they actually now have an entire landing page where not only are they showing these different tools for artists and different ways they can help to market their music, but they're giving pointers relating to music creation and things like yeah. that as well. So they're becoming this yeah. you know, one-stop resource for artists. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned um, Shazam a few moments ago. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that Apple owns Shazam and that the, you can get the data in Apple music for artists. And that's, it's really compelling stuff to find out where people are Shazamming it. My only complaint is at some point, I would love to be able to look at that. And instead of saying, oh, they, they streamed Mike Warner in Omaha, Nebraska, that it says, at Joe's coffee shop, <laughs> you know, I want to know where they're playing it, but sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> interrupt you. No, but you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because something similar to that did actually happen with my group date night. Uh, we were looking in our data and we saw that we were getting a number of Shazams in Japan. Um, and did did some digging and we couldn't really find anything and then one day a friend of ours who actually played bass guitar on that track was in japan in the nike store and he was shopping and he goes you wouldn't believe this but that track where i recorded bass for you guys uh, it's playing right now here's a video <laughs> that's went, amazing oh my gosh so then from there i went okay which background music services said that they added it to their programming. And one of them was mood media. Mm -hmm. So I contacted uh, the person at mood media and I just said, look, I know you can't tell me everywhere that you're programming our music, but can you just tell me, do you program for the Nike store? And they said, yes, we do. And I went, well, I just wanted to say thank you so much. Uh, and you, you can surely imagine what happens next. All of a sudden, a few more friendly emails and more programming just yeah. by saying thank you. Well, you've always stressed that. And I think that's yeah. a key point. When someone does you a solid, whether they add you to their playlist, whether they're adding you to their socials, whether they're whatever it is, giving you a cool review or anything, you've always mentioned that that's really key to thank them. It's, it's important, right? Yeah. You know, it's, and it's one of those things we do it anyway. Or, or at least most of us do, but sometimes we forget or, you know, I'd like to think I'm a very courteous person, but there's been times where I've just simply not thanked someone and I've looked back on that and I've gone, what was my reason? I didn't know if they would receive the thank you or um, I didn't know if it was necessary. I just put it out there because what I've found is that there's been times where I'll say thank you to someone one year later, they finally get it. And then the conversation picks up from there. Right. And the other side of it is, okay, someone added your song to their playlist or something like that. They may not be on social media as far as you know, but if you paste that URL to their playlist and you say thank you publicly like that, there's different ways on Google that you can search to see anytime a URL has been shared. It might get back to them that way as well. Yeah. So yeah, people it's, are blown it's incredible away. the power of yeah. simply saying thank you. You know? Yeah, it's it's a big deal. You know, I do a, a, a newsletter for the music industry, and sometimes people will comment. And I always respond to every single person. And half the time, they're just shocked that you took the time yeah. to do it. And sometimes it's, 
I mean, sometimes you get people that are upset. They don't agree with a certain story or the way that uh, DSPs are portrayed or, or how fair the payouts are or whatever it is. But just by acknowledging that, uh, you can diffuse so many situations. Like with your example of uh, the color uh, in, in the book, I think that's, that's really important. So be, before we wrap up, um, I mean, we could literally talk for days uh, about about this book. Tell people, like people that want to find the book, where can they find it? Are are you available, like on social media and things like that? Can people reach out to you? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. And I noticed I didn't intentionally dodge your question earlier, but the book this time around, there were other people that helped and. It was about 20 people total that contributed, you know, whether it's a page or a couple of pages, and it was people that are experts in their own area. So instead of me going and getting all this information from them, I asked them and said, would you like to put it in the book in your own words? Because I would love to introduce you to people in the book. And it's nice cool. to have another yeah, person. That was, that was that really is, cool. You know, hitting on some of these same points as well. It's nice to hear different voices as well. So, and thank you because you contributed, not just, you contributed a number of chapters in the book, a number of no, pages. I, I, oh. I was honored to do that, but I, I love that too. And I'm trying to remember the book. I think it was Bobby Osinski's book where he laid out all of the information, but then the second half of the book was basically all these industry people. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I find, found that so fascinating. And that's what I love about uh, your book too, is it is nice to get other people's input and experience because we all have different experiences. Like I toured as a musician, you, you haven't, you're still playing, you're still, you've got a band, right? So yep. there are things that you understand that people who have never been in a band don't really understand that experience is really super valuable. So thank you for that. And so where can people find you, Mike? Yeah. So people can find me. My number one hangout is LinkedIn, which shocks a lot of artists, but Come, come back in a few months from now and you, you'll be glad that you did. Just trust me on that. That's all I can say right now. But uh, on LinkedIn, it's Ask Mike Warner, A-S-K-M-I-K-E-W-A-R-N-E-R. -E -E and the handle is the same on Instagram and Twitter. Outside of LinkedIn, I'm probably most active on Twitter, uh, just for short rants and quick news <laughs> bites. Yeah. But LinkedIn is the main place where I hang out and spend my time. And outside of that, of course, workhardplaylisthard.com has all the links on there. And the book is available worldwide. I noticed you just waved it around in front of the camera there. Yeah, the book is available worldwide on Amazon. But outside of that, it's also available at independent third-party bookstores, smaller chains, larger chains, Target, Walmart, all those places. If they don't have it, uh, you can simply ask for it. They order it, print and ship it directly to your house as well. Nice. Yeah, it, I, I highly recommend it. I talk about it all the time. Congratulations, Mike. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Continued success. And thanks for joining us on the podcast today to let people know about it uh, to be continued for sure. Awesome. I always appreciate our chats. Thank you so much, Jay. All right, brother. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value.